We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Saturday night after the Wolves. What was the final score, Britt? 140-136 overtime loss. I believe that's correct. Yeah, something like that. Was it really? Was it four points exactly what Vegas It was four. Yeah, it pushed the, pushed the spread. Um, I, You know, I'm kind of sitting there scribbling some notes during the game about, you know, what are we going to talk about and all this and. My, my big intro was going to be like five wins in a row. Like, is it real? One to 10. And, you know, now it's just, there's been a couple games like this this year, right? Where it just feels like they have it locked down and, and you just kind of get this hint in your head. You're like, ah, what, what could go wrong in these last three minutes that, you know, that makes it crumble away. And we saw it against the Kings before the winning streak started. And we saw it um, again tonight. I guess I I don't personally know exactly where I'm at of how much it subtracts or from the from the good basketball that they have been playing recently. Where where are you just kind of at now? Last seven games they've won five of them, two of them in pretty disappointing fashion, uh, two losses in pretty disappointing fashion, including tonight. Yeah, I mean, also you know 
I'll take this game over a win over Houston or a win over Sacramento any day of the week, even though New Orleans is not appreciably that much better than those teams. Sure. Um, I like the fact that there was a lot of inspired play. There was a lot of synergistic uh, two and three man combinations out there, mostly on offense, of course. Um, <laughs> I mean, New Orleans is like that though. New Orleans it like Sacramento lulls you into playing a playground game because points are so easy to come by when points are easy to come by. I mean, you played more basketball than I have, but you know that in a high scoring game, you just assume you'll get the next bucket. If you, you know, the, the attention to defensive intensity does wane inevitably because points are cheap. Well, and that was just the the story at the end of the game, right? Was it's just Zion attacking over and over again. And basically the Wolves' plan or hope is that he misses a couple, you know, enough to, you know, so that their eight-point lead doesn't go away and they can can score half the time on the other end. And that's really when this Wolves' sort of defense is poisonous. It's when they start kind of believing in the idea that, we're going to get it back on the other end on offense. It's almost like it's almost like their good offense kind of d- legitimately contributes to their their bad defense. At least when things aren't going well, right. like tonight, that's kind of the feel like it and, and stops do not become a priority. It, it's the crossing your fingers and hoping that okay, Zion's going to kick it out to Bledsoe here. We hope he misses, but right. not, nothing nothing to like extinguish possessions there were there was no impressive defense down the stretch plus there was also just a blizzard of fouls that eventually oh caught my up with God. and i think playing with fouls if you're a young team um and also a young team that doesn't have enough respect from the refs anyway mm-hmm. you know not enough people who have that and um let's face it it was a i hate it when refs are sensitive and the refs were really sensitive tonight. They didn't like it when uh, players barked back at them. Ed, Edwards got a, his first technical of the season just for basically saying, hey, I got fouled on that play. We see that, you know, All four time. or five times a game minimum, you know. And the fact that he got teed up and Stan Van Gundy got teed up earlier by the same right. guy, he didn't even know what he said. You know, he probably just said something, you know, off the top of his head. But sensitive refs have a tendency – to screw with players' heads because they, you know, you're in the heat of the moment. You say something, you do something, you don't really know. And then if somebody calls a foul on you, you want to argue just to vent it out, get ready for the next play. And yet with these refs, you don't know whether you can vent it out. You don't want to cost your team a point on a tee. You don't want to get thrown out of the game if you're, you know, if you're Edwards, for example, um, because you already have a tee. And so you begin to play a little bit more tentatively. And in addition to everything else, that's kind of what happened. Also, I thought the game swung when Willie Hernan and Gomez became the primary guy with Cat instead yeah. of Jackson Hayes. And Willie Hernan Gomez was just out. He's a blunch bucket guy. He just went out and banged on him. And um, he's like a giant version of Wancho, isn't he? I mean, the guy is such a difference. And so, you know, I mean, it was, it was just, you know, a cat put up a a good, you know, final line in the game. I don't want to totally distract from it because he had 28, 14 and three tonight. 
Which yeah, is... he had he had some grimy stats too. He had stats where like he's seven for eighteen or something, and he was um, in some turnovers. But I, that kind of game from Cat is good because that means, um, usually if Cat's seven for eighteen or something, it means that he's he's in the thick of it, you know. Um, but but the what I was gonna say is it was like halfway through the third quarter or early in the third quarter, and he only has eleven points, right. and 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 he's just being defended pretty much one-on-one by Willie Hernan Gomez. And I'm thinking in my head about these past games against Utah where they've been throwing two bodies on him, the second body being Gobert. And it's like you can't even ask Cat to do anything in those. You almost don't want him to, right. to force it through that. I mean, Cat has seen just this array of, of coverages this year that really do kind of take him out of the game in, in some ways. Right. And, but tonight wasn't one of those nights. Exactly. And, and that's what that, what was frustrating for me was is one like we'll get to the end of the game but before we get to the very end of the game it's just like those are the times where you just want cat to have you know five offensive possessions over 3 minutes and just get to the bucket and score on Willie Hernan Gomez don't try and flop around for the foul or just... Jackson Hayes I mean Jackson sure. Hayes is even worse the fact is that he didn't go after Jackson Hayes I understand not going after Willie Hernan Gomez because Cat doesn't like to really get, you know, uh, if it's a certain He doesn't guy, like to get hit if he's not getting fo- getting a foul for it. Right, right. There has exactly. to be a, a payment. That's right. And and there are guys who chuck you, who know how to chuck you, uh, you know, little forearms here and there everywhere. <laughs> and um, Cat doesn't like that, you know. And so Jackson Hayes doesn't do that, though. And that's the thing. Cat could have just steamrolled him. Instead, Cat deferred to everybody else having a marvelous time. I mean, Anthony Edwards had a just a wonderful time in the first half. And he and Rubio put together some fabulous tandem things. Delo had just a great time dishing the ball all around. Um, but Cat wasn't in on the fun. And, see, uh, see, but that's what's interesting when you then get to the end of the game, and that's how the game has played out, where Ant has been the bucket getter. D'Lo has been the offensive instigator, and and Cat has been having an off night. And now you're presented with one shot at the end of the game. You're tied 123-123. And, and you know, I think for better or worse, Finch is a kind of ride-the-hot-hand guy who's who's feeling it now. Like, who am I going to go to? And he went... He went to D'Lo on that last play. Got the, well, did he Zion go to switching. D'Lo? I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, yes, he I did. Think, I, I think what often happens on those kinds of things is somebody makes a loose play call with contingencies. No, I don't and, think that. I don't think so because they had not. It was a structured play because then Nas came up inbound to Cat. Cat hands it off to D'Lo. D'Lo squares up, and then Nas, who's being guarded by Zion, waited for the trigger to come up and have him set the screen on D'Lo so as to get the Zion switch. But you D'Lo never moved. But you wouldn't You wouldn't have Zion. It, it was a play because you wouldn't have Nas setting the screen in your late game pick and roll. You wouldn't go D'Lo, Nas, pick and roll when you have Cat on the floor mm-hmm. if you weren't trying to target Zion. So I took what it I'm as, saying is I think maybe D'Lo takes the ball, works on the screen with Nas, penetrates a little bit, and dishes to an open man. Hopefully Cat... Hopefully somebody else in the corner. You know, stuff that they've been doing all along. These ISO kinds of plays. And I did ask Finch. The one thing I did ask him after the game, you were kind enough to skip the post game so you could get home and we could do this pod. But um, essentially, I said, games, 
you guys throughout the, the, the game, for the most part, did a really good job of mixing up half-court plays with ISO plays. But when it comes to be crunch time, like in the playoffs and everything else, it increasingly devolves into ISO plays. Isn't it harder to get the kind of ball movement you want and not have it devolve into just kind of stagnant ISOs? And what he said was, um, he explained that even on ISOs, you're supposed to see if something works. If it doesn't work, restart, do everything like that. And then he finally said, that's on me. I need to do better play calling to get those things. But I think, I think for the most part, Finch is a roll out the ball, let him sort it out kind of guy. He kind of conceded that a little bit during the post game. And he is usually that way where he says, you know, let's do this, let's do that. Um, I just don't understand why the let's roll the ball out play isn't just a cat isolation. If you're going to ultimately come to an isolation, even if it's D'Lo with Zion on him, I just don't understand why that is a better look than cat who you got the ball into. Why isn't why you inbound yeah, the ball to the cat? We have a disagreement about this because I think the way they were calling the game and to the hoop had to be the play because he's going to get the whistle. Well, it's He's funny how I think it should have been Cat. You think it should have been Ant and Finch. And it was D-Lo. And Finch called the D-Lo. Well, I mean, dinner. and also, let's, the only one of the reasons I say it shouldn't have been D-Lo, most of the time I'm actually good with D-Lo. But yeah, D-Lo you know me. I'm like, not against it either. No, I just, but D-Lo was like one for 11 from deep tonight. Yeah. I mean, you know, he wasn't feeling it. One for 12, it. yep. Where he was Jeez. feeling it, where he was feeling it was passing. He had mm-hmm. some gorgeous times. So run some faster action. Runs but not for the last play of the game, though. Why not? Because we know that in the end, it, it is. It's never you. You want to run the clock. It's a tie game. One twenty three. One twenty three. You need to take the shot as the clock expires. You don't want to. And if you're running like an action and a play, even like one of the the things that have been like those slip plays, right? That have happened. You almost. I don't want to say you don't want that because you want the bucket, but there is a value add to taking the last shot, even if it's a slightly worse shot. And and I think if I'm the coach and I'm trying to get that, I'm trying to get the last shot, it almost has to be isolation. And if I'm picking isolation options, to me, it's just not close. I'm, I'm picking cat. I'm picking. Uh, I'm picking. I'm picking Ant just simply because I think, first of all, Ant got two shots in the whole fourth quarter. He was well, one for two. Yeah, I don't want to take away from Ant's game. And, and you're right. Like the idea of it is, is is get that foul. yeah right like it or run a play that could get you know could get a foul D'Lo in that spot you know with with Zion what's he gonna do like that's not a bad matchup for for D'Lo and you know it rimmed out if it goes in you know are, are we having a different conversation I don't know yeah we're but, saying that it's still hero ball though yeah I I just think D'Lo if he has Zion switched on him is taking a he's taking a pull up you know he's not going to the bat there's like a very low percent chance that he puts himself right. in a situation to get fouled. I think if you go cat or ant in that spot, you're looking for them to start going North South and mm-hmm. have some sort of attack. And I don't care. I don't care if either of them pull up from 15 feet in that spot. Like you just got to get, I just want to clean. I just want to clean shot off um, to my best option. And, and I think we need to look a little bigger picture here. Sure. I think that, um, D'Lo has done everything Finch mm-hmm. could possibly want from him. He's come off the bench. He's run the second unit. Um, before the game tonight, 
Finch said, look, he's a starter. Everybody knows he's a starter. He's there to close the game. Ta-da, ta-da, ta-da. Well, you can imagine what Dilo would have done if Ryan Saunders asked him to do a third of the shit that <laughs> Finch has asked him to do. It wouldn't happen, you know? And so in that circumstance, if the guy wants to take the last shot, and you know he wants to take the last shot, in the grand scheme of things, you know, if the Wolves win this year, they won five in a row and they're, you know, uh, 20 wins or something. Right, the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter is what you're saying. What matters more is keeping Ricky Rubio feeling like he's a starter on the team and a really contributing member. Rubio is playing inspired ball and D'Lo is playing relatively inspired ball at the same time. They're not sharing the court very much, but they each get their, their, have their feudal kingdoms that are very, very important to them, you know? And the fact that the Wolves were able to alternate tonight, better than they have all season, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. They played the Rubio style when Rubio was in the game. A lot of steals, a lot of transition buckets, especially in tandem with Ant. And mm-hmm. with D'Lo, they were playing a lot of cool whiz-bang, half-court fancy plays, you know, that uh, involved a lot of cat action, a lot of D'Lo action, a lot of, you know, I think Brit, for 47 minutes, I think that was all handled great. And yeah, I and you're right. I, I don't want to take away from any of that. That's that's right. just accurate. They they are managing that really well. That's a tribute to Finch. It's a tribute to D'Lo, and it's a tribute for Rubio to staying engaged as a 30 year old right. in a you know broken season. Yeah. I'm thinking about it more so, and, and quite frankly, what I'm I'm more interested in is this idea of what if you are in the playoffs next year. Or what if uh-huh. what what if this is just? But what, you know that's this? a million years from now. Si- okay. What if it's just game sixty three? This was the sixty third, sixty fourth game of the year. What if okay. it's just game sixty four next season, and the Wolves are in the hunt for the playoffs, right? Yes. And yes. and and the result of that game matters more than any pecking order, this and that, and how Rubio feels. That is where I go. It matters who you choose. It doesn't matter if you. Dilo wants it. You got to choose who your guy is, and I think eventually, a million years from now, when the Wolves are in the playoffs, you need to have Cat be your guy who is who is taking over the end of games. It's great that if, in addition, Ant can be this high high level supplemental player in the fourth quarter, that Dilo can be a guy who can get a bucket for you in the fourth quarter. But at some point, you got to like, See, you got to let Cat be Anthony Davis. And I really do understand what you're saying. And I agree with most of it. But I also think things are just too dynamic to say a year from now. A year from now, there'll be an entire training camp. There's so much stuff that will go on that if you say, remember back when we were talking about, you know, game 59 in 2021 and – so much stuff is going to happen between now and then. And we don't know. I mean, we didn't know that, uh, you know, that. Uh, but Brett, this is a long standing thing. So you and I have talked about this for years. Should yes. it be Cat getting shots at the end of the game? That, like, I understand you're taking this to multiple levels and making it more dynamic. But to some extent, it is just that simple of like, are you going to let Cat be the guy or not? Okay. and Because he hasn't that- forever. Been to the the answer to that question is to be determined. All right, that's fair. I mean, I really do think because 
what is, I mean, Ricky Rubio just said, and I know, you know, some of this is Rubio knows his main value is as a young dynamic wing whisperer. And so he's got to play that angle, but he did say, you know, this team will go as far as Anthony Edwards wants it to go. And there is a, a healthy contingent of people around the wolves, maybe not within the people that matter in the room that matters, but there's a lot of people who think that Ant is the future of this team in terms of who's going to be the alpha guy. Um, I think that's premature. I agree with you that when you have a guy who's a top 10 all-time true shooting percentage guy in the NBA who also is like a freak um, in terms of where he can score on the floor, um, yes. On the other hand, let's talk about what you had just said 10 minutes earlier, which I also agree with. Why isn't he schooling Willie Hernan Gomez and Jackson Hayes? Yeah, yeah. And if no, he and, was, if he and, was. And what about the Kings game? What about the Kings game? They did give him the last shot, and he did it. He he drove to the basket, and he flailed around, and he tried to get the foul call. I, I, the, my caveat should be this. Cat should be taking the final shot in the game because to those stats, the true shooting percent and all that, odds are it's going to go in more often, and you're going to get the one point you need more okay. often with it being cat. But the caveat is that he's got to treat it like it's the last possession and he's trying to get the bucket and he's not cocking his head back to the side and he's flailing to the try and get the foul. Like go get the damn bucket. Like, right. and, and cat has, it's the reason man, that some of his numbers are down. Like he's having a very good year, but I don't know. remember if I talked to you about this or not, his two point percentage is down this year. Yes, most of his is. career. Mm-hmm. And and that is a product of this flying to the lane all gangly and, and trying to get fouls in that, those situations when, I mean, anybody who's played basketball knows it's a lot harder to make the bucket when you're, when trying part of your motivation is trying to get the foul too. Yeah. Oftentimes the best thing to do is just try and focus on getting the bucket and the foul will come if it that does. Is, that is what organic. torpedoed the Rick Allen season with Kevin Martin and Kevin Love. They always tried to beg for fouls in the fourth quarter and the refs swallowed their whistles. Uh, mm-hmm. This, that, that Wolves team will finish 40 and 42. Mm-hmm. Their net rating was like sixth in the NBA. Yeah. But they I lost was... fourth quarters all the time. And that was why. And, because and they, that, they that means they fouls. wouldn't have been a good playoff team. I think that's what it means. <laughs> exactly. Because it, because you, the, the game, the playoffs do get ironed down out. Like it wasn't just the last play of the game tonight. This game was very much, felt like a playoff game because because not because the teams are good but because of the way the Pelicans play. The Pelicans play playoff pace the whole time. But, and mm-hmm. part of part of the problem I had with with just kind of the way particularly in overtime, the way they handled it is like Stan Van just wanted to like play slow. We'll do our half court game with Zion. You go down and do your half court game with Cat, you know, choose your adventure with Cat Ant or right. Dilo and we think in the aggregate we're like, we got Zion. We're going to probably, that's going to tilt. So, so the wolves needed to it tonight in a tonight sense, they needed to play faster. I thought they needed to run more of their, that first play of overtime was great. It right. was the, the Ricky to ant, right? Yeah. It was an actual play. It was and, an ATO too. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so part of it is like, okay, yeah, you need more of that if you're the wolves, but that the other part of my mind goes, well, this is, if the wolves were playing in the playoffs next month, or if they were next year, you know, they would it would feel like this where it is more isolation centric. You can't run as many 
plays or teams just don't. And, and I think that is, but some teams do. Yeah. I mean, you know, Toronto that year, you know, they ran, you know, quite a few plays a year. They won it all. I think the Celtics, um, I was going to say the Celtics. Yeah. They, I mean, they don't run, uh, they run a lot of two and three man actions. They don't run, you know, you know, they, they run, you know, sequences, whatever. And they, and they, you could repost, you could re pick and roll, whatever, but there are plays um, it isn't just, all right, stagger screen or drag screen, bang, here it is, you know, or it clear out the floor for Tatum, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think, here's an interesting question. Cat has the efficiency, Ant has the hunger. How mm-hmm. do you what is more valuable in that circumstance? Um, you know, I mean, I don't deny I that. I don't deny it. It's just, there is part of Ant though, where the hunger is still situational. Oh yeah. I know. I know. But which makes it tricky. And it, it I gotta you know, tell you, if he's in the playoffs though, yeah, no, that's somebody's going to get killed when he goes to the rim. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, and, that, and Dilo that's has the killer mentality and Dilo has the killer mentality too. Well, yeah. Dilo has the killer mentality. Um, uh, I would, I want to come up with a cool analogy, but I can't in terms of the, uh, I don't know how to uh, turn killing, uh, half killing into a, a bad thing. So, but uh, I, I don't think that, um, I think Dilo has the killer mentality, but it's like, he's on the roof on the other side of the street, shooting somebody coming out of a building. That's his killer mentality. You know I mean? Anthony Edwards is going to come up and say, draw, motherfucker. You know, I mean, (laughs) there's a little different kind of killer mentality there, you know. So uh, do you get the sense, Britt, that over the course of because, I mean, six years now of cat. I mean, we've done this 20 game, 25 games like this over the course of his career where he did or didn't get it. And you go, why didn't he get it? How come Sam Mitchell never runs the last play? You know, all all this. Right, right, right. And, you know, it's an open and fair conversation. I think it's an interesting of coaches, part. Of, right. Yeah, right. Do you get the sense that Cat wants the shot? Or I have think, you got the sense that he has ever wanted it or didn't want it before, wants it now? Like, where is it actually in his head of desiring it? I think Cat wants to be the universal God. You know, I don't think he is particularly choosy about how the crown gets put on. Uh, if Cat makes the winning pass, if Cat blocks the the winning shot, if Cat shoots the winning free throw, I think that um, he is one of the problems I think Cat has is that he thinks too organically. He's not tunnel visioned. You know. Okay. So what have you? Which is a, a long-winded answer saying pretty much, I don't think he wants it as much as Ant wants it. The ball in his hands in the last for the last play of the game. If podcast existed 20 years ago and you uh-huh. and I were sitting here after a Timberwolves game where KG passes up the last shot or, you know, kicks right. it to Trenton Hassel or whatever, would you say the same thing about KG? Did, were no. you saying the same thing about KG in those t- spots? No, because KG 
was so clearly the alpha that yeah. whatever KG did, you had to say, first of all, nobody was going to question what KG did because he's KG. Sure. Secondly, there are almost almost always the right basketball play. But he did. Uh, that was a that was like a narrative, right? Of like KG passes out in those situations, right? And you I, know who's who fostered that narrative were all the jerks on national TV, the Magic Johnsons and Charles Barkley. Yeah. They were the ones who was, you know, they're the hero ball guys. They're the ones who saying, you know, Shaq. Shaq's always looking at some sheet and go, well, you should have got twenty nine and fourteen. I don't know why you <laughs> didn't get twenty nine and fourteen. Sure, what do you got? Seventeen and six. Not gonna work, Charlie. Not gonna work. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. All Shaq cared about was the numbers on the sheet because of bully ball, you know. Right. Shaq's idea of analytics, you know, is eating a cherry pie. <laughs> I I just think, like, I think this is an important question. And we've done, like I said, we've done this 25 times. We've come to a okay. different – we've come to a different answer. Every, I do. I mean, I, I sure. go back and forth on it. And, and I just Which don't – Which means it's not settled. That's to be determined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but what you just asked me about KG, see, those are important things. I never questioned KG. KG got thirty-eight points out of his teams like ninety-three in a game seven. You know, <laughs> if he needed, if he absolutely had to do it that way, it's like when I remember the the game where LeBron passed to a wide open teammate in the corner. Yeah, yeah the yeah, guy yeah. missed it and lost the game, and everybody lost their shit. You know. Who was that team in? Was it Delante or was it uh, Booby Gibson? Booby Gibson, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I think I'm right. That's Uh, perfect. I hope it is. I hope it was Booby Gibson just so we could say it was. It's such a great. Such a good name. Threw it in the corner to Booby, (laughs) who somehow missed the shot. You know, but see, and 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 the whispers started. You know, Mm -hmm. he can't win. You know. Michael Jordan faced that when he couldn't get over the Pistons a couple of times. Sure. Until you win the ring, it's the way some people have to think. Chris Paul is going to be dogged by that. No, and we're not doing that narrative. This is the whole narrative. But this is no, it's not. That's not even what I'm saying. I'm 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 approaching it like an intellectual activity. What? Okay. If you if we are Chris Finch and David Vanterpool, and we're sitting down in our coaches meeting, like, and we all ranking the pecking order of like having a conversation about what does our late game offense look like? What do we want it to do? I mean, there's different answers. If you can choose, you know, where flip and Whitman or whatever would have said, you know, it's, it's K we're going to KG and we're letting him make a decision off of that right now with Finch and Vanterpool, it, there is not a, you know, a clear answer. And I think, I think this off season, you've got to kind of come to a little bit of See, a and that's, conclusion. Maybe it's, maybe it's just my contrary way of thinking, but I like it that way. I, you know, you know what team always did that really well is the Spurs. Yeah. You never knew it was going to be Manu Parker, you know, even sure. Boris Diaw or somebody, you know, but I don't hate that either. I don't hate that either. I guess I'm just, I'm probably over asserting all of this in just my own bias, which is, I don't think cat shoots enough in these situations. I don't think cat shoots enough in general. I don't think cat shoots enough when the game's on the line. I don't think he and his own, I mean, he just doesn't, he doesn't do it enough. I, I mean, the wolves aren't that good offensively. Right. I that. agree with that. I agree with that. Um, and I also think that um, Edwards was giving that to him. 
you know, I mean, remember Edwards was deferring even when Edwards was uh, uh, racking up 35 point games. He was sharing with Cat, and he still wants to do that. Well, um, tonight, he, right? He did tonight. Yeah. Like, and totally. two shots in the fourth quarter, right? Exactly. I don't think he was really on board for that, but that's, you know, kind of the way it worked. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it has been with Finch. A lot of them haven't. I mean, the Kings one that Cat missed went to to him, but I don't remember what, who the opponent was. And I'm sure people listening to this too. I do think Finch wants to see – Oh, I was going to say, is the, remember the Malik Beasley shot? And then yeah. I asked Cat after the game, I was like, what was, like, it looked like they were trying to go to you. Um, but then it went into Malik and he missed, it was like the pump and he pump fake and he missed it. And, and uh, what Cat said is like, no, that play was drawn up for Malik. I, it was a game they ended up to go on to win. Right, so right, Cat right, would right. talk openly about it. But I do think we like, we have had a few of these under Finch. And well, put it like this: He certainly has not does not align with what I'm saying. Of it should be cat. Mm-hmm. Um, he does. Yeah, he actually probably more aligns with what you're seeing. Is like, let's let's read and react. Which that maybe you know that in the sense or, of the actual play, that's smart. I get. Let, that. Or maybe let's see who wants it. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is still. I think Finch. What I will say about Finch is he's done a marvelous job um, giving everybody a little piece of something they can hold on to, with the exception of poor Jake Lehman, who I did see in the background when they showed Nas getting his fifth foul, and I went, oh, yeah, Jake Lehman's on the team. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, almost everybody in that rotation is a winner in some ways because Finch is using them in a really kind of neat way. I do wonder every now and then if there is a little bit of a cleavage. There's an Ant Rubio wing and a D'Lo Cat wing of how to do things um, that may happen. But you know what? That's just me watching too many NBA teams devolve into that. I don't know if the Wolves, you know, the Wolves may. They they might not know either. They might right. not know yet either. That that's right. probably the answer to all this. Uh, let let's take a quick break, and then I want to let's talk about like these seven games in general. We're really okay, isolating sure. on yeah, you know, one game that went sideways. Broadly, this has been obviously the best run of the season, probably the best run of a couple since, weeks since Tibbs kicked the bucket. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. I'm not sure about you, but I'm taking a rain check on spring cleaning this year. Freshen it up for the season with comfort instead with some sheets, with some towels, some loungewear, and more from Brooklinen. And with their birthday sale happening this weekend, Brooklinen is offering site-wide savings on all things comfort for their biggest sale of the year. Brooklinen was founded by husband and wife duo Rich and Vicky with the goal to create beautiful luxury home essentials at prices that don't break the bank. By working directly with manufacturers, they ensure premium, high-quality comfort every time and at a fraction of the retail price. That means ridiculously soft bedding, towels, and loungewear. Brooklinen is so confident you'll love everything, they will give you a 365-day warranty. They've even got 75,000 five-star reviews. It's hard to argue with that. Get everything you need for a fresh spring during Brooklinen's biggest sale of the year. Shop Brooklinen's birthday sale going on this weekend. And if you're listening to this podcast after the sale ends, don't worry. You can still go to brooklinen.com and use promo code MORE 
my last name to get $20 off any purchase of $100 or more. That's brooklinen.com and enter the promo code MORE to get $20 off any purchase of $100 or more. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Look, no one's perfect. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash more now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com more and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com more now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com more. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. All right, Brett. So now they the Wolves are five and two over their last seven games. They were I haven't updated it for after tonight's game, but they were sixth over that run over the those six games there. They were sixth in offensive rating, eighth in defensive rating, um, which obviously we know we're isolating for a sample right. that's very advantageous to the Wolves. But I, I think what mostly stands out to me there is equivalence. <laughs> you know, right. where where the you know, the defense has been equal parts good to the offense. And, and quite frankly, I think that's why they've been winning more is yes, they put together, I don't know. So what would that be? Seven games, 28 quarters. How many of the, how many of those 28 quarters have been good defense? 18? I'd say about 20. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, I mean well. there might not have been 20 good quarters of defense, the whole Ryan Saunders era. Yeah, I know. I, that's true. And, and, you wonder if what Finch has implemented in terms of free flowing sure. um, enables them. It certainly enables them to scramble better. Um, sometimes the scrambles, they get caught up in things. But when I asked Finch during, there was a shoot around press conference today and I asked him, um, if in fact he thought that the defense was uh, better at um, scramble rotations and, and why was that? And he, he agreed that there was, and he said, they're starting to get the idea that they need. He said, when they ask me, I, I tell them if they're unsure whether they should go or not to go. Go. Yeah. And so I think, and also he's been saying over and over again, they're afraid of getting fouls in the first half. You know, don't worry about getting fouls in the first. He wants them to be aggressive on defense and what sort team, out the rest. What team does stylistically does this Wolves team play defense most like to another team in the NBA? Boy, that's a tough one. I think it's pretty clear. Oh yeah, you think it's Toronto? I think I've I've seen you uh, you say something to that effect. I think it is. I yeah. mean, I think it's it's the it's the scramble X out. I think uh -huh. it, I, I think that was, I mean, that was so much of their right. Which was interesting about it when they won the championship is they were also they're dropping Mark, but also chaotically scrambling out, you know, to the perimeter, uh, in in that finals run, 
And then, you know, kind of in the post Kawhi. But you have to drop Gasol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, oh, can, for sure. you can't have Gasol. No, I think that's what was cool. Gasol scrambling. Yeah. <laughs> that would actually be comical. I it mean, is. he was so intelligent that he might even make it work in his own weird He'd do ways. it. He'd do it. I, I remember. He'd half scramble, you know? He, 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 it's so funny <laughs> you say this. I remember there was a play in the bubble where, where it was the Lakers last year. Wait, no, uh-huh. no. Wait, what team was what was Gasol was on the Gasol was on the Raptors? He was still on the Raptors, right? But it was Lakers. He did play for the Lakers, you know, until he got hurt. He was playing a lot for the Lakers this year. Yeah, so it was. It might have been an early season Lakers game. Yeah, I remember Gasol scrambling out to go contest a LeBron. It was a LeBron shot. It was Raptors Lakers in the bubble, and he sprints out to the corner to contest a shot. And it's like, you know, it takes him a couple steps to get going. But he gets out there enough so LeBron can't take the corner three. And LeBron has to take, like, a dribble in to, like, come kind of in for, like, a pull-up. And, you know, Marc Gasol to, like, turn back around. He looks like one of those carts that don't have opposable wheels. <laughs> right. and, and so he, like, kind of has to, like, loop himself back around. But what happens is before LeBron can take that, like, one or two dribbles in to take the 16-footer, the shot clock expires. So Mark went... <laughs> Mark went full like grocery cart downhill out to the corner to scramble out because he's like, and I don't have to recover. It's, right. Yeah, it's the shot clock was expiring. But the reason I say the Toronto thing, and what I think is, is really interesting, I remember, um, I remember before the season talking to Saunders, uh, and just being like, you know, what's the like, what's the plan with the defense? Like, and it worked and it last was year. The same. Yeah. It, you know, it didn't it didn't work and and what he go he said i want us to play defense like the toronto raptors Ooh. and and he goes i i said i think i said something like give me give me a team to watch that you that like you what you want the defensive identity you know to look like and he's like goes watch out watch out the the toronto raptors x out that's how i that's what i want us to get to um and what's interesting is they didn't do it. <laughs> they didn't do it. But then sure enough, Chris Finch is here, literally the assistant coach for, right. for the Toronto Raptors at the time. Who may have had a hand in it. You never know how much of it, you know, nurse sure. gets all the credit and maybe he deserved it, but maybe um, Finch had something to do with that. Wouldn't that be ironic? Yeah. I, mean, pro- I think it is. I think it, it, it is. <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about that style big picture like i haven't watched enough of it to like you know, kind of like god i mean you and i have been talking about dropping a big and ice and pick and rolls and all that for since 2016 you know when tibbs got hired and what right. you and i you know always talk podcast or not or just sitting around of like this wolves puzzle of the defense and it's always been it's always been this this specific way that they're playing basically from tibbs to ryan to whoever and, and I got so accustomed, it just became like in my brain to watch other teams who drop their big. And I'm like, how, what does it look like, you know, when Joel Embiid plays a drop for Philly or how does, or even a word like a Nurkic or something. And right. I've just, I really, at this point over the course of years, feel like I really understand drop coverage uh-huh. and how, how it looks and what you're supposed to, and, and you can kind of get the feel of it, like when it's effective, when you see teams around effective. And I I think I know the answer to that. I don't know. I don't have a feel of that for 
you know, for, for this chaos style of yeah. scramble that they're playing. And so I, I don't, we can look at numbers, but that's not going to, we can't judge this off of numbers right, right now to say, so it, it, it's an interesting philosophical question of like, is this going to, if I could ask Chris Finch one question that you have to give me the answer to, it's like, do you think you're going to play defense like this next year? I don't know what his answer would be. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know how well, sustainable this is. Well, I think you have actually done some good research on this and you, you know, you tweet it out when I hear you both on these pods or read, you know, your tweets, I, the conclusions I have come to is that the drop back scheme essentially is trying to limit the damage cat yeah. can do to your defense. Mm-hmm. And I think that scramble is a risk reward situation can cat be very damaging sometimes but very positive sometimes mm-hmm. and i think it's like you're conceding a minus one so you don't get a minus four with the drop back mm-hmm. um with the scramble you get minus three plus two minus one plus three da, 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 da does that eventually even out to minus one or something better than minus one? Right. That That's what I think Finch is trying to figure out right now. I think that's what's fascinating. And I think the answer right now is it's better. Um, mm. maybe Oh, it's, it's better we, right now, clearly. I mean, may, But I mean, maybe it's just because we're sick of seeing what gets conceded. We know what they're conceding, and we see how easily conceded it mm-hmm. is. <laughs> right. Although right now I got to tell you that Finch concedes the long game all the time. Mm-hmm. And that is also aggravating. It has nothing to do with cat, fortunately. So you don't have to go pin it on him. He's avoided that bullshit, but you still have the situation where, um, I honestly think a lot of the reason why the Utah game, especially the second win at home, was um so look so good is the jazz are missing open shots they're missing and and that happens and that happens you know i mean that's the thing about i think finch is enough of an analytics guy for the longest time and it's slowly started to turn around as 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 players have gotten better and better at three-point shooting i do believe now there's more causality with how you treat them than it used to be. Used to be, analytics guys would tell me, three point sh- opposing three point shooting is arbitrary. You really can't measure it that well in terms of. And my response is, let me show you the last ten Timberwolves games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's. I. I mean, they right. would still tell you that. I mean, Seth Partnow would still tell some you will. that at the some will. Yeah, some will. I, I still think that obviously there are some teams that are always in near the top of the league in reducing three-point percentage, you know? Well, so, I think that can be argued as a proof, and they, they, they would argue against it. But you, you could also just – teams that suck at defensive execution right? give up really they, high three-point percentages like the Timberwolves did right. before under the Chris Finch before this last right. little run of games. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, something we also do when we talk about defense is to hyper-localize on CAD. You know, I agree. And I mean, Jade, Jade McDaniels does stuff. Well, so much of defense 
is taking stuff away that you never see because it's been taken away. Well, that's what that's what I was going to say. And like, we we put so much of oh this this the drop didn't work with Cat under tips. Well, they sucked at the the tag and recover part of it. They yep. they all didn't the have they did, I mean all the time and that that's including. It's not necessarily a five guys in the action, but but generally speaking, like a, a Tibbs non-ice pick and roll, you're, you're probably including three guys in your coverage right. right there. The point of attack defender, the drop man, and the tag, and the tag man. And the Wolves, for years, could not figure out the, the tag portion of that, which when you don't, it exposes Cat. And then I remember with Ryan, um, his... It might have been the takeover for Tibbs here, the first one, 20, mm-hmm. right. 2018, 19. And you remember when they just got pummeled by the Pacers and Sabonis and Brogdon? Yeah. Pick and roll. And they ran up like a buzzer beater final shot where, <laughs> speaking of running a play at the end of the game, they right. ran squared up and they go, all right, swing, swing, catch Brogdon, high screen Sabonis, roll, drop to Sabonis, finish. And I remember asking Saunders at the presser after that game, I said, did you want to have a tag man in there? And and he goes, we want to we want to defend that with, we we wanted to defend that with two. And I said, do you want to always defend that with two? And he was like, yes, no tag man. And that was what he said, like on the right. I remember I remember I wrote about it right after right. after that game. And it's like, so again, we talk about this in two black and white of terms of, oh, you can't drop with cat. You can't do this with cat. You got to switch with cat. You got to play him at the four. You got, no, you got to, you got, it's a whole freaking tapestry. You got like, that's, that's what defense is. And we, it, well, it's like music or something. I, I, I don't know. You, you, yes, we can't just, is. we can't just take number it, like well, a band. Maybe it's like that, a band. I was going to say, it's like yeah. an ensemble. And, and that, you know, that is where basketball is most like jazz mm-hmm. is on defense. Because it's improvisational within a structure. Sure. And when somebody is executing a solo, you accompany them as best you can. You don't disrupt the flow, but you contribute to the flow. And if a defender is doing something positive, then contributing to the flow is covering what he isn't covering because Mm -hmm. he's busy doing something taking away something you want to take away something else it's noticing what you can do and what finch said today when i asked him about you know your scramble rotations are better in addition to talking about you know i tell him to go be aggressive so on and so forth he's he said they're realizing that the play doesn't stop with one or two guys you have to keep going and if you make a good play on two people on defense, what that often means is it's a broken play that winds up with them scoring anyway. Right. See, that's the thing because things are broken. And so the defense, bad defenses are thinking, all right, you know, we, we solved that problem, you know. Uh, but meanwhile, this guy is wide open because you've solved that problem. Well, now he's wide open. So good defenses are born of hard work, familiarity, and smart coaching, and smart players on the court who could communicate. I mean, I'll never forget um, Kevin Garnett. The carcass of Kevin Garnett had like a 95 defensive rating, (laughs) you know? And I think perhaps forever ruined Cat because 
he would tell Cat where to go the second before anyone else could, you know. Um, and Cat got really used to it. I mean, it was his first year in the NBA, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tejon Prince is doing the same thing on the perimeter. If that's you have, what, go ahead. That's why, um, and it's hard work. So, like Kawhi did it fabulously for a while. Kawhi kind of got bored with it, you know. I mean, Kawhi isn't the defender he was three or four years ago. It's very, very hard to do that. It's one of the things I've always admired the hell out of Garnett for is he never stopped being a great defender. And right. you know, some people like that. Mark Gasol, in his own way. I mean, he wasn't certainly the first few years he came into the league. He was a water buffalo. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we laughed at him. You know, he was he was a punchline. He was a bad joke. Um, and he, he just became a, a marvelous a thinking person's defender. And it, it takes a couple of those on the floor. Chris Paul, you know, a great defender is like like that for their career. It's kind of like the person who you know, gets up and goes to the gym at six every day, no matter what, because it's their routine, you know? And, and so they stay in shape, you know, forever because they just, it's just like, I don't not go to the gym. I I, I do that. And I walk on the treadmill and I do my weights or, you know, whatever, even as you, it's, it's, and at the same time they're doing that, they're also saying, all right, well, what am I going to get? What's my, what's going to be my spring study? Sure. You know, while I'm doing my routine, right. what what new book am I going to read or what new technique am mm-hmm. I going to put on or how do I understand the league's trends? I mean, Chris Paul, and we all know that that's hard. Like we know that as a human, that hard. that's that's hard to to stay committed to anything, right? It's well, just it's, also, I mean, like as a writer, I have a style. You know, the idea of you know telling me, well, okay, here's some new writing things. Why don't you become this kind of a writer for a while now or something? Mm-hmm. You know, you are what you are to some extent. And the people who can be even more than that, you are what you are, but I'm also this and I'm also this and I'm also this. Mm-hmm. That's rare. I mean, Chris Paul at age 25 was a very, very different defender than Chris Paul now. Sure. And yet in his own way, kind of cool. I mean, um, it just, which brings me to, because I was just thinking about this when you were talking earlier about, uh, you know, the, the defense and, and Ryan and that kind of stuff. What happened to Joshua Kogi tonight? Yeah. He, did he play the second half? I think, I think he finished he, the game he, with he started. 17 minutes. Yeah. He started, I think he started the, the third quarter, but just kind of. He, he went away. And I think a lot of it was Finch wanted to get D'Lo and Rubio on the court because both of them were having good games, I guess. But I don't know the answer to that. I think it really contributed to the bad defense. He was all, Josh was also kind of in one of those like chaos games where he was a little out of control. You know, if chaos no, is it, necessary. He could have used it. Yeah, but I'm just trying to get in Finch's head. Remember, right. he like he did a couple. He, he of flew things, in. Right? He flew in for a couple like offensive rebounds and was just like a little too sporadic to bring it in he like slapped it out of bounds or or plus he would get caught up the floor and have to recover you know and also you know the the big lineup worked for a while you know he's not a part of the big lineup i just think that this is the last thing on the defense just to say this because people are like you know why why the you know why the hell are you and brit talking about defense for you know 25 minutes because it's the most important it's the exact part of the floor that matters the most 
specifically to this team. It is the like answering these questions that we haven't even answered the right necessary questions about, but like answering this, figuring out what your your defensive identity is, figuring out how to make Cat the guy who goes to the gym every day, right. <laughs> metaphorically, um, which has done more this year than ever. Yeah, before. I'm just like for for people who are listening to this and dream of the Timberwolves, you know being in a Western conference finals in the next five years. Like there is a 0% chance that that happens. If all of these questions related to defense are not effectively answered, like it's, it is, it is the requirement and you need to be at least a a top 12 to 15. If you're going to make the, you know, unless you're a freak team, unless you, you luck into it and get, you lose four to one of the finals or something. Right. I mean, like there are teams, New Jersey one year, uh, Portland almost made it with a really bad defense a couple of years ago. But for the most part, let's face it, top 10 defense, top 10 offense. And you know. Gerson, Gerson went on uh, Barrero on Friday. Oh. And at guards, he was hosting. It wasn't Barrero wasn't there, but he talked, it was actually, it was a, it was a good, it was a good interview. Um, and, and, and he said like, I thought it was a couple things that were, yeah, he's actually, if he's talking on the record, there's a lot of kind of the coach speak per se, right. but there, there's like some things in there. And, and he said, again, he's like, he's like, we are going to be a roster with more offensive oriented players. And it's on, you know, coach Finch is finding out how to like navigate that. You know, he is all in on the idea that this team, which he's right given what the roster is that this team is going to find itself by being elite on offense and okay on defense. I don't think he, I think he's smart enough to not be under any illusion that with this core that they can be better than around average defensively. And Which, which means he's, he's taking the first step, which is a fringe playoff team. It's, I mean, you don't get the sense that it's more like big picture like that, though? Well, I think that he will fast learn that if he has four guys who are fairly inept defenders, mm-hmm. um, that you're not going to win. Uh, step, you, know, you, may, you may be pulling. Step one is admitting you have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, mean, step one is, that, you know, step one is fine. A forty-seven win team. That See, wins. I don't think he would build like that. I, that's not. I don't think he would be like. Well, in this first iteration of our team, we're going to have this sort of identity, and then once we're ready to go to the conference finals, then we're going to have this identity. Like, then he's going to run into what Houston ran into. Well, and I don't think. I don't think he's afraid to run into what Houston ran into because, because he was they there. Almost won the playoffs, right? Yeah, and they're you know, they're apologists to that season and somewhat defensively so, right? Like you can make a you can make a Houston Rockets apologist argument that's strong. Obviously it starts with twenty seven free throw or twenty seven missed threes and all yada yada okay. yada. But I I think you're wrong if you think that he's if they're gonna adjust the plan midstream here. Like I think this is it. I think they're all in on I don't offense. think you'll get the chance then. But well, yeah, that's kind of I was maybe. Yeah, you know, I I mean, 
Because eventually you paint yourself into a corner. Eventually you wind up trading a bunch of draft picks for the right to have Russell Westbrook besides <laughs> Jane Harden. Yeah. I mean, that is lunacy. That's fucking insane. <laughs> That's why they've won 16 games now and are yeah. praying for the best player in the draft. So they could do it all over again, and that's why Moray is in Philly. Well, I'm just saying, when I start to think about and estimate how Gerson is going to pursue this offseason, whether it be in the draft, whether it be in free agency, whether it be on the trade market, I I don't think they're going to punt. He's saying they're going to punt the defensive side of the ball. Right. But I do think it is going to be very much prioritized. Like, if they make a big move for a guy, like a, you know, let's call like the beginning of the a big guy be like swapping, like what you can get Beasley for Beasley in a first. That mm-hmm. level guy. No, I or, get it. Or, or your draft, if you get the top three pick. Like, I don't think they're going to pursue a player with those, either of those assets or sets of assets that is more impactful defensively than they are offensively. Okay. Which is an and, argument that a lot of people would would make. Okay. I would argue that you do not have the raw materials right now to even fulfill the offensive side of your equation. You're not going to be I'm a little you're not going to be a lead offense with that group. You are not. Um you know, Cat is a wonderful player. D'Lo is playing really well since the All-Star break. And Ant has all kinds of potential. Um, it couldn't beat the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. I know, I know, but I'm not I'm not sure. I I think they could be really good offensively. If they if you get development good from enough these to be no, a no, no, second no, round not, playoff team? No, 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 no. That wasn't the question. The question was, can they be elite offensively in terms of aggregated offensive rating for next season? Right, right. Like top six. Could I see the Wolves being top six in offense next year? If everything, like, you know, some reasonable baked-in growth from from some of the yeah, guys. Right. You make another acquisition that is offense-focused. Right. You know, maybe you, you turn Beasley into a power forward that is more like John Collins. Um, or, or you get um, Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs with the pick, who's more, I guess maybe Suggs is a little bit, whatever. You get a more offensive player there. I, I think this team could be top six-ish on offense, which would be elite, right? Um, but you can't, you lose all the occasions where you turn defense mm-hmm. into offense. Yeah, no, and which then leads you to, you're not the second-round playoff team. And I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the, the ways, way. though, that you one of the ways you become a sixth ranked offense, though, is to steal the ball and boom, you got two points on three seconds worth of offensive position. Um, right. You know, teams that are can get after it, play really good defense. When you have the synergy on both sides of the ball. Right. Look, three years ago. Phoenix was in in the league with the Wolves, you know? Yeah, below. Right. They have the best record in the NBA right now. Yeah. 
Why? Because Booker took a jump. They got Chris Paul. They've, you, you know who they're filling in their roster with now is the Jay Crowders and Tory Craigs of the world. Guys who go and get stops so that the Devin Bookers and, you know, these other guys can go do things. And when they get a guy like Aiton, <coughs> people aren't going to say he was a number one overall pick. And people aren't saying he's a bust, but they're saying, well, yeah, okay, Aiden, he's playing well on a team that's winning, so great. He's there mostly for defense. Um, it, it, okay, well, th- these are the top six, the top seven teams in offense this season. Brooklyn All one, right. Clippers two, Nuggets three, Jazz four, Blazers five, Bucks six, Suns seven, Mavs eight. That's your, that's your top eight. Okay. And the Suns, the Bucks, and the no, not the Clippers. Anyway, the Suns and the Bucks at least are also top ten teams on defense. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of uh, who who else was in that list. Maybe the Clippers. Well, but the Bucks so- and the Suns are certainly a top ten defense. And why? Because they've got guys who can do that. What I'm getting at is if the wolves are in that next year it's in the sense that they're like portland or they're like dallas okay and what is portland now is portland Portland's like probably five. 11th oh they're fifth they okay, were on so, the list portland's right, so five and dallas is eight okay and what is portland's record um 35 and 28 all right solid record i would say that they're probably 27th on defense 29th okay 29th wow they're below i mean the that's like who's 30th Sacramento, Sacramento, yeah, by <laughs> so much. <laughs> yeah, no. um, but I think that's the next step for the Wolves or in the Rosas plan. Right, is that is is to try and be port what Portland has been, um, you know, with Lillard and CJ and Nurkic, and you know the way that they're structured to be, you know, really good on offense, eh, on defense, or or the way that you know Dallas is structured with Luca and Kristaps. It was interesting this week. I, I looked up D'Lo, Cat, and Ant in their minutes together since the All Star break. I played, uh, they played more now tonight, but it, it was 160 minutes, and they had uh, they had a, a offensive rating of like 121, and and I went through. I just started scrolling down the three man pairings that had played 100 and. 160 minutes this year and tried to find sorted them by offensive rating and scrolling down to say how many other elite offensive pairings of those up at 119 that getting down to 119 still have a negative net rating overall because the de- the bad defense right, outweighs right. And the there elite offense. There was it there is it took me to go 166 166 oh, wow. and there was only three that had negative net ratings. Cat Delo and Ant Portland with Lillard, Cantor, and Nasir, Nasir Little, and then, <laughs> and then, and then, which is a lot of, but, but, no, and then it was Dallas oh, with Dallas. Chris Stapps, Luca, and Dorian Finney-Smith. Wow, they're negative. Too negative, bad because Chris Stapps and Finney-Smith are both pretty good defenders. I think. But that's so that's what I'm talking. I mean, I know it wasn't exactly the Portland guys because it's Cantor and he's in there. You know, right, it, right. But it was like, oh my god! The only three here of the hundred and sixty-six elite offensive three-man pairings, the three are that 
Portland and Dallas and Minnesota. And they're the three teams who are building in a way that says we are all in on offense and we're kind of like, we're going to figure out the defense along the way. And I just, as somebody who follows Portland and Dallas and, you know, cheers for them to do well, I don't, I don't feel very comfortable about what Portland's building. I don't feel right. very comfortable about what Dallas is building. And now, I, let me let me play devil's advocate for a second. Go for it. How much would you like to be a fan of one of those teams? Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, that, that they play – I mean, the game we saw tonight was a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, I enjoyed that Pelicans – I hate that you're taking this in that direction because <laughs> you're obviously right there. But that totally goes against what we were just talking about with. Oh, like, I know, I know. But what I'm saying get is get over that, this quick. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that I do think that if, in fact, Gerson Rosas wants to rely on offense and ignore defense and have an elite offense and have a bad defense, he's going to get the kind of thing you're talking about, and the Wolves are going to get what the Mavs and the Blazers have, that's, that's which, all I'm which, saying. which is, which is hope, but not probability of hosting a first round playoff series in the West. You know, I mean, Dallas managed to get, have some fun in the bubble boy. You know, I mean, Luca, everybody thought Dallas is going to be a monster this year because of what Luca did. Well, you know, the problem with that is if you don't get stops, you have to continue to be Superman all the time, you know, and nobody is Superman all the time. I guess what I'm just saying is you, you're signing up for a glass ceiling. It feels like you're signing up for a pleasurable half glass of beer. You're not going to get the full glass of beer. You're going to get really good half glass of beer. And if you want to enjoy that for what it is, it's better than what the wolves have been serving lately. Yeah. But I will tell you, you will not be fully satisfied. You're making me seem so negative. <laughs> no, I don't necessarily think you're negative. I think you're being a realist. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is let's take it from whatever. Everything is relative. You know, mm -hmm. it all depends on your attitude. Your attitude can be negative. Your attitude can be positive. I will tell you that relative to what the Wolves fans have seen over the last 20 years, they would love what this is happening. But if, if we're to believe Gerson Rosas that he's building a sustainable pattern for winning and he has got grand ambitions, um, he is, that's why I said there has mm -hmm. to be another stage. That's just the first stage. You said, no, no. I, don't, I don't think he's doing that. I think this is his stage. And what I'm saying is if he doesn't transition out of that, if he doesn't start to rely on yeah. defense, then that full stage is going to be more Aville. And by the way, Houston had Chris Paul and James Harden and Clint Capella. And when they were really good, Mabute, um, Trevor Ariza, P.J. Tucker. I mean, they were stacked on both sides of the ball in many respects. I just And Harden became a better defender. Yeah. And Chris Paul was always a good defender. I just think about that crossroads. That that like that enjoyable path there, and I'm with you. It could be a fun team to cover, be fun for the fans. 
I just fast forwarded my head to that crossroads. And then what is, what is your answer if you're the wolves once you're at that crossroads? Are you as stuck feeling as Portland feels right now? Eventually, yes, by all means, because there's no where to go, which is why yeah. I'm a believer in defense. I'm a believer in with a defensive team, you're always going to be able to find people the great players, the truly great players spend their time honing their offensive game and become fabulous at it. And when they get to the pros and they realize that defense also matters, they broaden their game a lot of the time. You know, Michael Jordan wasn't necessarily a great defender. He was a good defender coming in. But um, you do need the foundation, the dynasties, everybody, it became a cliche after a while, everybody flocked to Golden State because of the shooting, but the defense won the rings, you know? I mean, it was, became a cliche, Draymond Green and, you know, and Clay, by the way, wasn't shabby. And, you know, they had some really cool defenders on that team. Iguodala, MVP, you know? Um, so the Celtics, I grew up with dynasties that were based on defense. You know, Pat Riley's teams had Showtime. They also had guys that would break your legs. You know, I mean, defense is a more constant barometer of success than offense. And the Wolves have not chosen to go in that direction. Are openly fine. building a team currently that is can't go in that direction. Half half punted. All right. Very last thing. Um, then I'm gonna let you go okay. quicker than we normally do. That's with right. this with this loss tonight, the Wolves slide back into the third slot in the tanking okay. standings. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, since last week, you know when when I talked to you, I was I was very much in the like, don't worry about wins. You know, like right. the you know the shift in the and eyes. They won and, five in a row, right? Yeah, yeah, it made a huge so, difference. Yeah, but it did. It did. It did make a huge difference. That <laughs> that take hasn't aged, you know, yeah. as, as right. well, because they've just won more than I, you know, I, I thought they right. were reasonably they reeled off. They beat Utah twice. Who thought right. of that? You know? Right. And now they sit here cl- pretty clearly trying every night. Yes. And they have 20 wins. And in the sixth slot is Cleveland mm-hmm. with 21, you know, they could really slide all the way down to six very reasonably. Right. Yes, and now, could. and now they're, which, I was even poo-pooing, like, falling to four a week right. ago. I'm like, yeah, right. maybe. I was like, worry about it once we get to five. Well, now six is very much in the realm of possibilities. And I guess my question just to you is, should that be more concerning? Um, you know, does that subtract it all from, go from what this is? The odds of keeping the pick fall from 40.1% in the top three down to 275 if you're the sixth slot. Does that matter? Sure, it matters, but you can't focus on it. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I mean, it matters, but imagine how the fans are going to feel mm-hmm. if you put in a top three protection and now you have to tank even harder than other teams have to tank for the 
60% chance you don't get what you want uh-huh. anyway. You cannot do that. You know what the perfect um, analogy is here? You've got you got two spades in your hand and two spades are on the flop, right? So right. you trace, like, you got to decide. You're, if you're going for the flush. You're going for the, the flush. But. So you get rid of uh, two queens that are <laughs> other suits in your hand and a queen comes up. But it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you were dealing the cards out, the, you're, you're, the like the two of spades flipped up and somebody just put it at the bottom of the deck. You know, one of them is already out. So you're like, right. uh, now, now I don't actually have my right. 40% chance of hitting you know, my, my flood, it's, it is such a gamble, but it has an upside. I mean, it feels great to river that ace high flush, you know, like, well, and also would be, let's face it, getting a top three pick in this stack draft would be fun. I mean, any one of four guys, I don't know much about the draft, but I know this much. You could put any one of four guys in the middle of the world. Yeah. Who's the fifth? Kaminga or Green? Okay. Outside. The, I mean, Kaminga yeah, and Green are just going to get or whatever. The African guy is Kaminga, right? Uh, I don't know what his isn't background it, isn't is. Isn't it one of them from the Congo? I think there's one from the Congo that's a power forward. It's not Evan Mobley. No. Yeah. No. no, Mobley is the other guy, the other power forward. There I just think it's it's a group ways. of five, and what's classically happened here is the three guys who people got to watch play college basketball all year have become the one, two, and three. And then the two guys who played in the G League thing that you didn't people didn't get to see at all have shockingly become the four and the five. Like Kaminga and Green. Yeah. And so I, I think I, I haven't done my, my research on it, but I don't And you may not have to. Well right, sure. So I, I just think that there's 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 five guys there. Okay, so to can... to answer your question, and I think I did, but to put a What point was my on question it, again? The question was what do we do about the mm. balance between yeah. trying to win games and knowing if you don't win games, you're probably in better shape next year. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least you have a chance to be in better shape next year. And I think at this point in time, you have to suck it up and concede that you've lost the pick and play as if you've lost don't the pick win. and just go forward it is – people are going to hate this who want to tank, but it is the honorable thing to do. It is – you're a victim of your own incompetence for making that the terms of the deal. <laughs> for sure, yeah. And you have to eat that. And you have to have the faith that what you originally were doing will be enough, which is why you made those terms the way they were. If for some reason it doesn't work out, that's on you. You run the club, you know. Um, you can't suddenly try to change the rules and go, okay, now wait a minute, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, this isn't enough after all. That's what you're conceding. So for any number of reasons, player, morale, uh, there's I, – I would imagine the whole thing is close to 50-50, yeah. maybe 60-40. I think there's a healthy – number of people on both sides who have compelling arguments, which is often what happens. Which is what Uh, we said last time. I just kind of like poo-pooed the downside. Well, the downside was always real, but it was always, even the good side is 40%. Yeah. yeah. So it's not a good side, you know? Uh, And so 
Kyle so, came on. Kyle came on the pod after one of the games, and he said, "He's like, it's already a weighted coin. You know, uh-huh. you're trying yeah. to flip this coin that's weighted as is. Like, you know, and I think that's a good, yeah." At the same time, you know, um, if they win four out of the next uh, nine, my 24 win prediction at the beginning of the year hits. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is kind of fun. There are uh, 65 games, so there's only seven left. Okay, so four and three. Going to be tough. What do they have? Let's count them down. Yeah. Um. I'll pull up the schedule. Memphis is the next game, right? On that's a loss. Memphis on Wednesday at home. Yeah, not a loss. My at Miami on Friday. I don't know. Miami's pretty bad right now. Keep going. Then the next two are at Orlando and at Detroit. Those are the Ooh, real. See, that's there you the go. Tanking there you battle. go. Yeah, yeah. They'll win those. Okay, so that's so we're saying. I'm saying at least two and two, maybe three and one. What else? Wow. Then it goes Nuggets. Nope. Celtics. Nope. Well, Mavericks, all at home. All right. I think that by the time the Celtics and the Mavericks come around, you have no idea whether they have any incentive or not. Mm-hmm. It, it, could, it would be funny. They could wind up five and one, you know, five and two, whatever. So if they end up five and one, they will have finished the season on having won 10 of the last 13 games. And have a winning season since the All-Star break. Being yeah. – imagine the marketing behind that, you know, I mean, either way you can, the marketing staff can either market a good team or they can market a new pick. This is like the, this is like the fourth side of the argument that you've brought up today that I just hate. (laughs) Well, don't have me on late at night. You're in a bad mood. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm not. Thank you for coming on Brett. He's at, he's Brett Robson um, on Twitter may or may not be writing before this the season is over right um, to to be determined uh we will we'll come on again next week well i guess that'll be right after those that detroit god that's gonna be such a that's gonna be such a pathetic or the i mean orlando and detroit are gonna desperately be trying to lose those games yeah because we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It'll have a massive impact. They should spank spank both of those teams, right? Yeah. Well, we will be back on to to talk about whatever does does transpire. I'll be back to talk. We We have three days off right now. I'm like 
first time all season there's been no games for three days happiest three days no uh we we all deserve i think the fans included deserve a little bit right of, and you deserve a break, a break. jesus are you I'm, gonna do every game you're gonna make I'm gonna it do, i'm gonna do it yep all 72 unless all right. i unless i i did it through through my second vaccination so that was that. that was the hardest night of it where where i was like oh my god i feel like was it rough it was rough it was yeah. rough but I got, I loaded up on the Pedialyte. I highly recommend that to anyone who is getting their vaccine. Get the Pedialyte. That's a, that's a lifesaver. But anyways, he's Britt. I'm Dane. I'll be back to talk to you after the Memphis game on uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, until then, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com